0: This is Floss Weekly. I'm Doc Searles. And this week, Dan Lynch and I talked to Pete Kaminsky, who was on last August talking about Massive Wiki, which is this cool thing that he does. He's one of the old heads on the subject of wikis, but he covers so much more. This may have been, or may be, going into it, the deepest show we've ever done. Pete is a really interesting dude. You really have to hear the show and that is coming up next. Podcasts you love.
1: From people you
2: trust. This This is Twit.
0: This is Floss Weekly episode 719. Recorded Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. Let the wiki win. This episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Collide. That's Collide with a K. Collide is a device trust solution that ensures that if a device isn't secure, it can't access your apps. It's zero trust for Okta. Visit Collide.com Floss and book a demo today. Hello again, everyone everywhere. I am Doc Searles. This is Floss Weekly, and I'm joined this week from Liverpool, I assume, Dan Lynch himself. And there, yeah, and there yeah. He is.
2: I am. I am in on the outskirts of Liverpool,
0: but yeah, <laughs> I'm here,
2: coming in across the water, A <laughs> lot of, lot of the water. waves, yeah. <laughs> radio and
0: otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's, how are you? I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm in my new. My new lair
2: here. You look which, a bit like you're, for people listening on the audio, I should say. You look a bit like you're underground. There's a lot of stuff. We are. I, I am
0: underground. This is. Oh, um, right. cool. This is a this is a basement of a, a house built in 1899, which is modern uh, in, in, in in England. UK, but, <laughs> yeah, you know. I know, and uh, uh, but old here. And uh, that's limestone walls that you see there. Uh, and this is this town, Bloomington, Indiana. Was in the limestone business for a very long time. There's a famous movie in 1979 that came out called um, Breaking Away, which I highly recommend. It's a great movie, a teenage coming-of-age movie. And um, and the house the kid lived in um, was one like this. So when you see that house in that movie, you'll see a house like this one. They built many workers' cottages, they called them. But the the uh, the quarry operators and the big furniture company that was here at the time went out of their way to make sure that there were nice houses for their workers but people wanting to restore these houses to their original condition would have to put the privy out back and have no closets because closets mm. then were all separate things that you rolled around or dragged from you know a wardrobe for example mm. you know like the lion the witch and the you know were you know in places like this so it's uh it has a lot of old old house charm <laughs> which is to say it's been fixed so many times and has so many layers of stuff and they're walls you can't nail things into because they're, 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 they're hard solid. plaster no, on I'm lath. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Or they're plaster on lath, meaning that if you, if you drive and nail it to that, you'll chip out a, you know, a hunk of wall uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> two inches wide, get a drill. Anyway, so. Character, anyway. Yeah. So, so you were saying earlier, you actually listened to the last show we did um, with Pete.
2: Kaminsky. i did. I, I watched it today i watched it today so i'm going to be quoting all things to you both that you said <laughs> what five six months ago as if you just said <laughs> well
0: things are happening fast so i want to i want to revisit some of those uh-huh. things so so let's welcome to the show this is a pete kaminsky who um uh i know from way back when i think when you were at social text right you were the i the, at least that early yeah at least that far and yeah. um uh and, and Pete is always like the, the wisest person in a room and usually the smartest as well. And I, I, there's a list we're both on where, um, every so often people weigh in and everybody will kind of go quiet because he just, or, or, or say amen. And then like, ask him some more questions. Kind of like the, if you look at, if you know, Dune, he's kind of a mentat, but there are lots of mm-hmm. smart people on that, on that list as well. So, so. So so we talked about massive wiki last time, mostly I guess which is your creation. So why don't you fill us in on what what that is and then maybe what the delta is between last time and this time? Uh
1: sure thing. Uh massive wiki is um a, a easy way to organize and and uh, collaborate on text-based information. Uh so things that you you write um uh you can write with uh, many people. Um uh, and it's also a wiki uh so the 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 things that wiki gives you uh easy editing uh easy linking uh, between pages in the in the information space uh that all works um one of the things that's new is this website uh uh it's improved since last time we saw it uh it's a little bit more organized and and a little bit more up to date um Massive Wiki is almost two years old, and um, and the the version that we saw last show uh, was some of that stuff was pretty much ancient. So this is a lot better, a lot more descriptive, and a lot less confusing. Excellent. Yeah, it's it massive Just
0: so we know, go ahead, Dan.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive Yeah, that's the website. Um, I had a look today. It looks great. Um, one thing I I wanted to ask about Peter since watching the the previous show. Is um, do you think? Um, I mean, we were going we're probably going to get into this as we go along. We, just for the, the benefit of people who don't know, we had a little email exchange before talking about AI and the famous Chat GPT and all these other similar things. Um, but a lot of the last show was about collaboration and encouraging people to collaborate. Uh, which is kind of what you what? Well, it is what you're doing uh, with with Massive Wiki, and and seems to be a big part of your philosophy. Do you think, in some way, we're going to be collaborating with computers in that way? Could we see it less as a kind of evil overlord and more of another collaborator that we might engage with? Uh, the the people
1: I know who uh, are are using ChatGPT effectively right now um, are essentially collaborating with it. Um, I, I would say that it's going to be. It, the The thing I really love about humans working together and wikis uh, in particular uh is that uh it it feels good and people come up with new ideas that you wouldn't have thought of and uh they they work differently than you do so you you come to kind of an agreement uh, of how to work together um it It reminds me a little bit uh we we have too too few opportunities i think in our society for Actually working together with people and, and making decisions about how we do things. Um, the the I think an almost universal experience for people is collaborating with your family, uh, either when you're a kid, uh, working with you know your siblings and your parents, or vice versa when you're a parent uh, having having your kids and working with them. Um, some of the most fun things in my life were the way that, the ways that. Our kids would come up with words or use words in a slightly clever way and different way or a different word. Um, and, you know, the whole family would pick up a, a different way of working together. Wikis kind of remind me of that. Uh, something like an AI uh, doesn't have that. It's it's funny. I was going to say it doesn't have that spark of creativity. Um, I, I find that it's a it's kind of a, a misunderstanding about uh, AIs that they're not creative. Um, uh, ChatGPT or or uh, the image generators, Stable Diffusion or or uh, Dolly or MidJourney, they're they're very creative. Um, uh, not in the way that a, a person is creative, though. I guess they you know they're they're mixing and matching a bunch of stuff that they've seen um and and remember, but not not yet in the surprising and uh heartful ways soulful ways that that mm-hmm. people do so
2: yeah, they kind of remix you know that's at least the way I understand it they take they have a huge database of of knowledge of stuff that they've been trained on as they call it in that world, and then they remix that kind of stuff but I was thinking earlier today about the fact that i suppose to some degree it's only the same as what i do as a human i mean if i i relate lots of things to music so if mm-hmm. i play the guitar for example i'm remixing the k the g chord the d chord the whatever mm-hmm. chords that i've learned from my database of knowledge and kind of putting them in a um and sometimes in the same sequence as other things i've heard because i know that works well um so there's even that it goes down to that level so i suppose we're all remixing to some degree definitely
1: um and and uh, the a i s are really good at that, and I've seen them do surprising things they 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 will constantly surprise me with the way that they put something novel together, um asking it a joke or telling it to to make an image or something like that. It will come up with things that I think are novel that haven't been seen before the Maybe a difference is that. Uh, there's a feedback loop that people have. It's like, uh, you know, you're, you're playing some chords on your guitar or your pie- or your keyboard or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you hear things that are a little bit different and novel and you go, wow, I like that. That was fun. Let me do that again. Let me make some variations on that. The the creativity that the AIs have now, um, they'll, they'll accidentally stumble across something, but then they don't know what they've found. They don't know if it's good or bad or whatever. So... The, the combination, we, we are seeing people in combination with AIs, um, you know, the AI will come up with something and then the person will say, hey, go more in that direction or take that and, and mash it up with this other thing. Um, so you still have to have that, the person in the loop to judge whether or not it's interesting and and, and cool, I guess.
2: Mm. Yeah, definitely. So they don't quite have taste, or, or I don't know, maybe they do have taste. Right. That's probably unfair, but they don't, they don't have taste in the way that we understand it, should we say? Uh, maybe that's the next stage an AI that, that kind of uh, you know, has, has very distinct views on certain types of music. I don't know. Um, that could happen. Um, so, on a kind of technical uh, level, I was thinking about, I was talking to someone earlier about uh, the whole. Um, challenge of, of the, the wiki kind of uh, paradigm, if you like, the wiki kind of world um, and the way we use them. And we've talked, uh, you talked a lot on the last show about how Um, you know, moderating what people do. I mean, you mentioned, I know you guys talked about Wikipedia. It's kind of the elephant in the room, but I know you're not specifically here to talk about that. Don't (laughs) worry. But one of the big things that I know Doc was saying on that show was that it doesn't feel as collaborative. It doesn't feel like a community or so on. Um, And uh, one thing I was thinking about was the security kind of implementation, uh, implications, sorry, of something like, um, something like a, a generative AI that could generate, um, I don't know, say false or or misleading information, and and kind of you know at great volume and hammer it at a, a kind of a wiki or any kind of uh, site like that. Um, do you think that's something that people will have to contend with in the future, possibly? Some like people who are maintaining things like wikis. There's
1: I there's kind of a I, there's kind of two answers to that. One mm-hmm. of them is that um, uh, the first one is uh, that. That wikis nowadays are are not uh, not openly collaborative, publicly collaborative. Uh, mm-hmm. In the early days of wiki, it was very common to go to a wiki website and anybody uh, could you know edit and and put in whatever they wanted to. And one of the the surprising things that we found was that there was a a saying my uh, social text co-founder had a saying uh, and and it was a a common kind of thing. Uh, that uh, it was easier to uh, delete spam, for instance, than it was to um, than it was to to add spam. That was mm-hmm. true when people were spamming wikis by hand. Uh, it didn't take too long <laughs> for people to automate spamming wikis, and mm-hmm. that that whole thing it it went away. So it won't be the case that you'll have a an AI um, or, or even a person using an AI is probably the more mm-hmm. uh, common case. Yeah, uh, it won't be the case that they'll have direct access to, uh, to a, a, a wiki. Um, it'll be access controlled, so that the, you know, that that stuff just won't happen. I. So then another part of the answer to your question is that, definitely, uh, especially with ChatGPT, you can see it's so conversational and so, so. Easy, it, it writes so easily. Whether or not it's it knows it's correct or not, it's just writing, and it's it's fun to to you know read what it's writing. Um, we're definitely going to see people driving it to create all kinds of misinformation and disinformation and things that uh, things that aren't real that seem real. Uh, same thing with with images. It it's a little bit we've you know we've had. Um, We've we've seen automated disinformation for years and years already. It's not a new thing. Uh, It's it's gotten. I it may be a a way to think about the the new AIs is they're kind of democratizing that process. It used to be that you had to be um, a a big fancy research firm to shove a a lot of disinformation through, or or a big government or something like that to shove a lot of disinformation through Facebook. Now now anybody would be able to generate the same amount of BS. Uh, but we're going to have to figure out how that works. I, you know, it's a, it's a tricky problem, um, but it's, um, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's a a gift of the the age. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, I just noticed in our chat room here, I've got a quote. um, uh, Chickenhead21, who's listening and watching, hello, uh, says, let the wiki win. That's a Han Solo quote, apparently, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought we might appreciate. It just popped up on my screen, and it kind of made me chuckle. Let the wiki win. (laughs) Uh, Excellent. So... um, I was looking at uh, I, I was looking at a massive wiki earlier today and um having to kinda of play around with it. And it, it's it's a great idea to have the stuff kind of distributed. And funny enough, I was doing this as I was watching your interview from last time on another screen and I kept thinking of questions and then you kept answering them as I was, <laughs> you know, watching, which was interesting. Um but one of the things I found was interesting, it, it's kind of something that people may not understand is it's kind of when it's distributed in that everybody has their own copy of the whole the whole wiki because you're using Git for that. Yeah. Um, what kind of advantages does that does that bring uh, i
1: think that's a really good question um, one of the things is is kind of a sense of ownership uh you you know that i don't have to rely on a server somewhere up in the cloud as soon as i've synced then i've got the the whole thing and i can do whatever i want with it um, if i never got connected back to the internet i'd still have it so and that that feels different than you know we share this thing in the cloud. Uh, having your own personal copy of it makes it feel different. F- FedWiki, by the way, is is another uh, project by Ward Cunningham. Uh, he's doing some cutting edge research on on how to uh, how you know the next version of of wiki, and he's got a thing called FedWiki. Um, so every time you edit a, a wiki, it it kind of does something similar. Um, it doesn't copy the Kind of does copy the whole wiki, I guess. But uh, so ownership is one definitely. Um, uh, I think another another thing. I I don't know if I should worry about this or not worry about this, but it makes me feel good that it's an outcome of it. Um, uh, I think massive wikis are going to be really resilient against. Um, uh, catastrophe uh, you know in the in the zombie apocalypse, if everybody's <laughs> made a copy of the the massive wiki they don 't have to rely on uh, you know the the central servers being up or you know much electricity uh, if they 've still got a copy on their Raspberry Pi and you know s- some solar power. Uh, they've still got access to the whole thing, um, and then they can still. It's it's built to be easily shareable. Even without Git, you can still share the files, um, or you could even print it out on paper and still read it, and it would mm. still make sense. So it's it's kind of future proof in a way, and and I like that too. So I boy, I'm sort of piling up the questions here
0: myself. But first, <laughs> I have to let everybody know that. This episode of Floss Weekly is brought to you by Collide. That's Collide with a K. Collide is a device trust solution that ensures unsecured devices can't access your apps. Collide has some big news. If you're an Okta user, Collide can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture. That's device compliance. Think about it. Your identity provider only lets known devices log into apps. But just as a device is known, doesn't mean it's in a secure state. In fact, plenty of devices in your fleet probably shouldn't be trusted. Maybe they're running on an out-of-date OS, or maybe they've got unencrypted credentials lying around. If your device isn't compliant or isn't running the Collide agent, it can't access the organization's SaaS apps or other resources. The device user can't log into your company's cloud apps until they've fixed the problem on their end. It's that simple. For example, a device will be blocked if an employee doesn't have an up-to-date browser. Using end-user remediation helps drive your fleet to 100% compliance without overwhelming your IT team. Without Collide, IT teams have no way to solve these compliance issues or stop insecure devices from logging in. With Collide, you can set and enforce compliance across your entire fleet, Mac, Windows, and Linux. Collide is unique in that it makes device compliance part Over the authentication process. When a user logs in with Okta, Collide alerts them to compliance issues and prevents unsecured devices from logging in. It's security you can feel good about because Collide puts transparency and respect for users at the center of their product. To sum it up, Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide dot com slash floss to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash floss. Okay, so so Pete, when you were talking about um Ward Cunningham, and Ward, by the way, for people who don't know, I think most of our listeners probably do, but some might not, created the whole wiki concept, the the original wiki way back when. Um and uh and, and Pete was involved in one of the first companies make, and making use of that. And um but um but where is FedWiki? I I I frantically went around looking to find it. I s- found stuff on GitHub, but where
1: if people want to find FedWiki, where, where should that look uh, That's a good question. Uh, fed.wiki.org works. And okay. then uh, Ward and uh, a, a, a crew of um FedWiki folks are also on Matrix. And they've got a good active chat going there. Okay, that's
0: cool. Um, oh, there's so several different ways I could take this, but I, I um, is there? Will there ever? This, this is kind of a very selfish question on my part because I'm I'm a sort of medium active Wikipedia editor, meaning um, one of the first <laughs> cartoons I ever saw. It was a cartoon. It was a story in the onion when they were still print. And it was said, it said like back in 1995, error found on internet. You know, so, <laughs> And I'm one of those people, I'm a born editor. So I want to, I want to yeah. edit things. You know, there's a misplaced modifier. There's a dangling participle that tense isn't right. Wait a minute. There's something new there. And I'll, and I'll edit, I'll edit Wikipedia pages. It's a bear. It's really hard, you know, and, and, um, and my own page, I have one there. Um, of course, I can't self-edit on it, but other people want to edit on it or try to improve it, but they can't because there are all of these really UI issues. Is there hope for that? I I, I know they have a kind of a um, you know a, a, lo- a kind of a, a low skill version of, of 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 editing there, but if you want to do the real thing, you have to get into into their actual editing system. So. Is there hope uh, for Wikipedia in particular, or for wikis yeah. in general? No, for Wikipedia in particular. Anything else besides MediaWiki, I guess, which is the the yeah.
1: I, you know I haven't I haven't played around with the Easy Editor on on MediaWiki for a while. Um, I I actually don't know. <laughs> um, it's they've they've got a lot of legacy uh, source you know uh, wiki wiki markup MediaWiki markup stuff yeah, and yeah. it's a challenge uh to keep the number of pages that they've got kind of up and running with new editing uh stuff so it, there's kind of a a trade-off you know um making it making it easier versus making it compatible and um you know i i think the the people who contribute to wikipedia um maybe it's it, it's kind of a bad thing, but maybe it's kind of also not a bad thing um, if there's a bit of a learning curve uh, to to yeah, get really yeah. good at it. So,
0: yeah, <laughs> there's. I noticed one of the common hacks on it is if a if one team beats another team and one player stands out, somebody will jump in on the defeated team's page and say, "So and so." is the owner of the Boston Celtics <laughs> or so-and-so <laughs> owns man United. Right. You know, so uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, um, which are relatively easy things to do. I, I, I want to go back into something. One of the kind of one liners, not even a one liner, but, but you dropped that the, um, that wikis are not wikis. Oh boy. I'm jumping uh, the tracks there, but AI is, can be creative and is creative and, I've noticed this is playing with Chat GPT, which I can't get into in the last two or three days because it's busy. Um uh, but even with um perplexity.ai, which I've come to love, and a and a and I, and, uh, I'm just and that's the the, the uh, actual URL, perplexity.ai. Um I don't know if it go it uses GPT three or four or whatever whatever it is is doing, but it gives you sources and answers your question. And And for a lot of search, like my wife had a, spent a lot of time on, on Amazon looking for uh, cushions. She was looking for cushions for, for an antique bench we have that we acquired for nothing at a garage sale and, um, and couldn't find anything through Google or Bing. Bing has this kind of, kind of last I looked at it, kind of a fakey front end with, Hey, it's kind of like chat GPT asking a question, it gives you an answer. Then it just gives you a big garbage dump page that has, that sits of a whole lot of graphics and stuff that sit on top of the same old search results. And, but if, in fact, I can't find, let's just go into search for a second. I'm, I don't mean to filibuster, but search is deprecated, badly deprecated right now. As somebody has been writing on the web for over 25 years, I know this because I have old stuff that I put Easter eggs in. So, I would know that Google found them. They're gone. They, they they don't find old stuff, and there are links that go to those things. The entirety of Linux Journal is still online. It goes back to 1994. It's all in HTML. It all has, you know, 404 URLs. Most of that, a lot of that stuff, Google and Bing are not going to find because they've got rid of page rank and they're looking at something else now. I guess it's currency or some Buzz or some other thing. But if we ask... Uh, um, perplexity.ai, it'll find them. Maybe it'll find a, twit, a, a tweet pointing to it or something. And my wife found two wonderful links that got her to the cushions, that, to making the somebody will custom make the cushions that she wants, did it in two minutes with, with perplexity.ai. But you don't get the same answer every time. I mean, it's creative that way. If you ask it the same question twice, once on another browser, it's different. So where I want to go with this and kind of probe your head about is how – how do we offload on AI and things like it? And I think we need many different nouns than we've had so far over there. um, What we're not good at, like long-term memory. Computing has been fantastic for long-term memory for a long time. But um, how do we offload that and repetitive tasks and and holding down non-recurring costs, you know, while at the same time maximizing what makes us most human and creative. Just want to sort of probe your brain about that. And if you've thought about it, I think you probably have thought about that.
1: Yeah, I, I think about that a lot. I the um there's there's a bunch of hard trade-offs there. I you know, first of all, one of the one of the things that one of the things to think about, um I thought a lot about it with Chat GPT, is that we're still kind of at the tech demo um stage of you know, conversational AI in particular, uh, in ChatGPT's case, um, I I think a lot of people. Um, uh, Doc, you and I have have a a friend in common, David, um, and uh, he and I were going back and forth about whether ChatGPT was, uh, you know, um, dangerous uh, because it wasn't telling the truth a lot of the times, uh, or if it was, you know, not. Um, uh, David's point of view was that, you know, geez, if if this thing looks and smells and feels like a a fact machine, then it's people are going to think it's a fact machine. And my position was more like, well, you can tell it's a tech demo. The the CEO continually says it's not a very good product. It's kind of a you know, it's an early demo. It's a preview thing. Um, it's it's gotten hard to tell nowadays when thing when something is done and when something is Still in in flux. Uh, conversational AI is still in flux. It does a lot of stupid things, um, and yet yeah, it's also really helpful for sure, for some things. And the fit and finish nowadays of of products. Um, I'm on this experimental um, messaging. You can't even call it a platform a messaging set of protocols called Noster, um, Nostr. N o s t r very experimental um, and a little bit dangerous and dangerous in ways that you don't know that it's dangerous unless you you're a pretty technical person some of the i've noticed some of the clients for Nostra are very clean looking very beautiful Um, amethyst is 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 the one i use on android and it's beautiful it's gorgeous you can't tell from the look and feel of it that it's also super experimental it's like flying in an airplane you know made out of bailing wire (laughs) and canvas um. So ChatGPT, I feel, is a little bit in the same same place where it looks so good and does so 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 much that it's hard to hard to think that it's not done. But I think you know it's going to take a couple of years for us to kind of really come around to how to use uh, AI, what it's good for, what it's not good for, um, how how it helps us make sense, um, how it's not dangerous. The the thing you talk about with with you know how much like how much stuff google doesn't tell you um that maybe perplexity is able to tell you uh it's a really hard judgment it turns out to be a really hard problem when you have billions and billions and billions of pages of information to tell which are the ones you know which are the a few dozen that that you know if i were if I were a magical superpower, um, you know which few dozen should I tell this person who's asking me a question are, are the important ones um, I think i am going to give a quick plug for massive wiki um, part of the the answer is that uh something like massive wiki that makes putting web pages up and making links uh is going to be more important in in this coming future so that you can go, hey, I trust I trust Dan. Um, if Dan's got a website that he links to about Twit or about Floss or about music, Dan is a person I'm going to trust. Uh, this kind of peer-to-peer trust and humans in the mix is something that we see. Um, I'm on, also on Mastodon. Um, uh, Peter Kaminsky at Tools for Thought rocks. Um, I'm on Mastodon, and you can see there that people talking to people instead of having an algorithm like Twitter or an algorithm like Facebook that peer to peer thing feels really good and it feels really useful and it feels like humanity again kind of rather than you know being part of this you know a, a tiny cog in a big machine like Twitter or Facebook I think we're going to see more and more of that we're going to see more decentralization we're going to see more people trusting people rather than um people trusting you know, a billion people um intermediated by a, a social network machine that doesn't really care um about any of those people. And it's a trade off. It's a big trade off. Um, you know, uh I I know there are still things I, I am mostly off Twitter now. Um it's it's gotten hard to hard for me to use. Um just practically uh when they killed the third party clients, I use the third party client to read Twitter and it's like, okay, well <laughs> I guess I'm not reading Twitter very much anymore. There's things I miss, you know. When I when there's a big news event, uh, Twitter is still the place um, for at least a little while to go to find out what's going on with the big news. If I want uh, uh, interaction um, or talking to people about stuff I care about, it turns out Mastodon even though i have much less reach there much less global reach i have a lot more semi local distributed reach that's that's really important to me and it's it's cool i feel like in you know 20 25 years ago when we were talking about the web it was really hard to imagine locality that wasn't geographic but now it's really common for me on macedon or zoom to be talking with people around the world and where we have locality of, of topic and, and you know, sentiment and people we like, that locality feels natural now. Um, and and now with the pandemic, it's actually, that's the kind of locality where I hang out rather than uh, in my geographic space. I get out a lot. Thankfully, I, I live in beautiful San Diego. We have great weather, great places to, to hike and, and walk. So my wife and I are outside a lot, but we're not out we're not with people in San Diego. We're with people across the world, local through Zoom or through Mouth of Wiki or through chat. Hmm.
2: Yeah, that, that's a really interesting uh, concept, Peter. The idea of being um with people from from a distance. Obviously because of the pandemic and even before that, we I mean we've been doing philosophy for, you know, fifteen, sixteen years, whatever it is. Um I, I, that idea of being with people remotely as, as, as was around. But um, do you think that's going to develop? Because one of the things that I found really interesting recently, and it's not something I've, I've got to be honest that I've looked into a lot was people are talking a lot about the, the metaverse and metaverses, which doesn't have, just have to be related to Facebook, although they are obviously big in pushing. They've called themselves meta. For, they changed the name to meta. So there you go. But uh, apparently there are other, other metaverses out there. Um, do you think that kind of idea of having higher quality connection, if you like, with less, people from a larger distance, if that makes sense. Do you think that will move into things like VR and, and, and AR and stuff like that? And, and the idea of, of, you know, we could, I don't know, play table tennis or something together, me and you, even though we're on different sides of the planet, uh, you know, virtually or something like that. Do you think that will affect how people interact and share information?
1: It's a it's a good question. And I have to say that I'm not really an expert on AR and VR. Um, I, I know that, I you know, it, it reminds me of, um, video telephony—we used to call it back in the day. Um, AT&T was working on video phones, you know, in the early '60s, maybe even earlier. Um, and for the longest time, for literally decades, it was a joke, um, you know. I, I'm, and I apologize to the folks that were working on it. I'm sure it didn't feel like a joke at the time, but it's like, you know. If I think back to the, you know, when I was around in the '80s or something like that, it was like, why would I ever talk to somebody on a television screen? That's silly, you know. Handset is just fine. Um, it it wasn't until I I don't know what the magic sauce was that got us all on Zoom, and a lot of it was actually the the push from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But now it feels supernatural to be doing video conferencing, um, and I you know it's it it feels Weird now to go into an, an office situation and work with people. Not that I don't love that. Um, I, I am cautious and masks and stuff like that. Um, but you know, nowadays it's like I get up in the morning, I log on, and I'm I, li- I have literally hours every week where I'm talking with people all around the world through through Zoom or through other video conferencing. AR and VR kind of remind me of the same thing, you know. It's it's definitely a solution to something, but we don't know what the question is, what the the problem is that it solves. And and I feel the same way. It's in the same way that I used to, you know, think that that talking video telephony is a dumb idea. Um, AR and VR seem cool, but you know, yeah, come on, what do I really use it for, you know? So I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the person to person connection I think is going to be um this is you know we've been talking about decentralization uh for a long time i think uh yeah, d web things like that it's starting to feel real and and it it's it solves problems that now we can kind of talk about what problems it solves. Um uh the, the centrality of Twitter, the centrality of Facebook is is a big deal. It's not it's good in a lot of ways and it's really bad in a lot of other ways. Um uh it's hard to give up some of that centrality sometimes, uh, when I'm, you know, working with distributed tools. Uh and it's you know, sometimes the distributed tools are this decentralized, decent, distributed it's it's they're clunky sometimes. But I can tell it 's the way the way of the future um, that we will have more pur- purview with a smaller number of people rather than you know purview of billions of people and being a very small part of it i th- I think also this and i i don 't mean to sound like a prepper or a survivalist or a doomer, but it's hard not to notice that we 've got a bunch of existential crises. Um, uh, food production, food distribution, soil health, uh, clean water, climate change, it it feels like we're going to end up in a lot of places where being able to uh, work with the people around you, whether that's geographically around you or in the same watershed, um, uh, or Around the same topic uh, is going to be an important skill and a survival skill um, for you know in the decades to come. So I think I think it's the way of the future.
2: Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot on on but given the nature of the show, it makes sense. But we talk a lot on this show about decentralized um, everything, <laughs> really. But um, you mentioned there there are good things about centralized or advance some advantages to centralized systems as well. What would those be? Do you think? Um uh there's a couple.
1: One of them is reach, uh being able to news news for me, you know, I got I I started getting most of my news from Twitter uh probably five five, eight years ago or something like that. And even though that stopped in the last six months, um uh Having a I, and another example is Facebook. you know um, the reason to be on Facebook is because everybody else is on Facebook, uh, not just my colleagues uh, who work on on tech but also uh, my cousins and my second cousins and my third cousins, and the people I knew from high school and you know the the people who have got some local thing going on that I need to be part of the farmers' market or whatever so that that centrality the 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 number of people is a real is a, is a real boon um another another good and bad thing about centralization uh is I, I and we feel this keenly with massive wiki um is uh user interface and training and things like that uh if if I need to tell somebody how to use Facebook, there aren't that many ways to use Facebook. Yeah. If mm-hmm. I if I want to tell somebody how to use MassiveWiki, it's like, well, do you want to use Obsidian or do you, you would you rather use Pulsar Editor? Um, you know, there's a couple different ways to do Git. Uh, we have to talk about which Git forge is the best Git forge for you. Maybe it's GitHub. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Codeberg. Maybe it's SourceHut, You know, it and and all of those decentralizations mean that not everybody is having the same experience. So on Mastodon, I I can only post 500 character posts. um, And if I want to post, you know, 1500 characters, it's three posts that I hope will get kind of packaged together and linked together. Maybe, maybe not. Um, There's other clients where 5,000 characters is the limit. Um, People have different experiences with different clients. They have different training needs. They have, you know, it's it's a it's it's a confusing mess. It's it's something that we've solved for in the real world. You know, um, uh, like spatiality is distributed. Uh, if I want to go to a city, uh, a big city, you know, I could go to uh, Tokyo or London or Paris or you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, 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 some. Uh, some places is big, some places small. we have kind of common um, uh common interfaces that we 've come to you know I, I I can probably figure out how the mass transit works uh in you know in some some place. I can probably f- ask for help and get it. People have known how to you know oh you 're from the big city, let me tell you how it works here or, oh you 're from a little town. let me tell you how it works here that 's all common experience and stuff that that you can tell it's kind of missing in the decentralized world. Um, but, but we'll get there, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned on, on the last show, I keep jumping back to the last show that you were on. Apologies for that, but I, it's because I recently watched it today. Um, you were talking about um, non-technical users, or, or it fits into what you were just saying, actually, about the yep. interface that people use. Um, obviously, you've got Git underneath, which is powering, um, Massive Wiki and moving the files around, versioning and all that kind of stuff. But I was really interested to hear that you have some non-technical users who, who they can learn to use like short keyboard shortcuts, things like that, that are really simple. So they don't have to know how it works underneath. They just know that this is what I press when I want to push something out and update it. And this is what I press when I want to pull in what's new. Um, is that a, a big goal for for you with Massive Wiki to make it um, available to, to people no matter what their kind of technical level is?
1: definitely yes um uh it it pains me a little bit that uh that git is so useful and so practical um it turns out that there's great news on that front uh the the people maintaining the obsidian git plugin which is one of the the key things that we use it's not the only thing we use mm-hmm. um it plugs into obsidian and then lets obsidian which is another key thing that we use but not the only thing that we use um, the uh, people doing the Obsidian Git plugin have been doing a great job of simplifying it and making it easier to use. Uh, it's got better error handling. Uh, it's got um, a now a great little side dashboard thing that lets you just push a couple buttons to to make it go. There's actually even a, a button that just does the right thing. Uh, if you just click the one button, it almost always does the right thing. Um, so the 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 git stuff has gotten a lot easier even in the past 5 or 6 months um we still have trouble getting git installed um it's not you know it was never built to be installed by non-technical folks so there's not great ways to do that we're making that better mm-hmm. uh there's there's a git written completely in javascript that's getting used on mobile devices now um and it's baked into the app it's not a separate thing I, I think we'll see some of that on the web too. Uh, it's getting easier and easier, and yet um, I can also tell. So, so soon, you know, maybe in six months or a year, maybe Git won't even be a scary thing about about MassiveWiki. It's still a little bit scary to get into it. Um, and by the way, there's a in, in the MassiveWiki website, uh, you can find the, an email address to click and send us an email, and, and we'll help help you out. Uh, at least until we get overwhelmed with too many people. Um, there's, a, there's a interesting thing with Git. Uh, we've got a non-technical but sophisticated writing partner um, now uh, who's been doing some pretty fancy stuff with Git branches and stuff with us. And it turns out that there's a little bit of complexity about Git that's actually really useful when you're collaborating. Uh, the, the the way that you do two-phase commits, uh, um, which might sound like I'm talking about a software thing, but it's the same thing that that like uh the double door system in an airport works by, you know, you can get into this part of the, the the hallway, but you can't get out until they close that door and check you, and then you can get out that way. Mm-hmm. Having um, file editing work that way and getting people working together on file editing it helps a lot to do some of the workflow back and forth things the commit phases that git does and um they're not i don't think they're particularly hard to understand conceptually we still just need better interfaces to them but it helps a little bit to know i you know i i know why i'm i'm doing the steps that i'm doing and uh I know why she did those steps over on her computer and then when we push a button and things merge in the cloud it'll work better than than if we hadn't. So I'm hopeful that 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 uh will get also easier and m- will help document it more and make it make it make sense more. I'm really looking forward to to Um, professional writers, at least, using Git as a tool um, in the back end. Um, It does amazing stuff for software developers, and it should be something that anybody who's using text uh, a lot uses, too. Boy, (laughs)
0: there's so many places to go here. Um, And uh, I I was just thinking that, you know, Linus Torvalds struck with lightning twice, once with Linux and also with Git. Pretty amazing, actually. Um, but first I have to, I, before we get to the next topic, there are so many, um, I want to let people know that joining club twit is another great way to support our network here. As a member, you'll get access to ad free versions of all the shows on twit as well as other great benefits There's a bonus twit plus feed, which includes footage and discussions that didn't make the final show edit as well as bonus shows. we started such as hands on Mac hands on windows, Ask Me Anythings, Fireside Chats with some of your favorite twist. Take that again. Ask Me Anything and Fireside Chats with some of your Oh, take that again. Ask Me Anything and Fireside Chats with some of your favorite Twit guests and co-hosts. As Floss Weekly listeners, you may be interested in checking out another club twit exclusive show, The Untitled Linux Show, hosted by our own Jonathan Bennett. So sign up to Club Twit for just $7 a month. Head over to twit.tv slash Club Twit and join today. We thank you for your support. So, so, Pete, I mean, one of the things, one of the one-liners you dropped was spatiality is distributed in the natural world. This is, I mean, we would never have said that if the Internet wasn't here, you know, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's it kind of, you know. The inverse square law applies all over the place, you know, so <laughs> yep. and including speech, including memory, you know, I mean, even the this, this space that is in our heads, you know, we forget most things after seven seconds, but somehow retain meaning, which is also really an interesting and strange thing. I don't think we fully comprehended ourselves before we try to embody it in machines. And, um, and I guess we have. We said, OK, you, machine, remember everything for us because we're not. Um, and then we rely on each other. That's one of the interesting things to me about this. That um, on uh, and how long these things sometimes take. The old cartoon. I don't even know. If, I don't even know if the funny papers still even exist in newspapers. Who's <laughs> looking at those? But Dick Tracy was is what it ran in the fifties and sixties, and maybe still runs today. And Dick Tracy was way ahead of his time. He had on his wrist, and it always had a little pop out, a little over that had a little zigzag lightning thing that said two-way wrist radio. It looked just like an Apple watch, right? <laughs> you know, the Apple watch comes along a lot later. You know, I've got one of those on right now. It's telling me my heartbeat. It it answers the, it, it projects the phone. Um, telephony has become any to any. So I'm going to not totally jump the track here, but Paul Barron, when he inadvertently designed the internet, when he came up with his original drawing for the Rand Corporation in the early 60s, you know, when all computing was centralized. You had a big mainframe and you had a bunch of terminals. And and that was a computer. And so he had a drawing of a a scattering of dots and all his dots were connected to one central dot. And then the next frame, like a cartoon, was um, decentralized, which was a bunch of the dots connected... In spider spiderish way, like a bunch of them, and they were all connected with each other, but it's still a central one. And the f- third one was distributed, what he called distributed. And he, and he introduced to the world this wonderful distinction between decentralized and distributed, which even today we're not fully rocking, I don't think. But distributed, everything was connected to each other or to the adjacent dot. But I think there's something beyond that, which is kind of what I'd call independent, which is what the Internet is. We're all on the same... Globe, we're all in the same what Craig Burton called the giant zero, which is the the shape that best represents the Internet is a hollow sphere in which any point is connected and it can be connected to any other point through an arc that goes to the middle, an arc in the sense of a straight line in geometry. And um, or what is that? There's another word for that. I forget what it was. It's been. I took that. In the, a tenth grade, so it's been a long time. What's the straight line that goes across sphere, a, a circle? Oh, the I'm diameter. I'm thinking, I mean, thinking vector, diameter, but not a I vector. A good. vector has, yeah. has direction to it. It, it, yeah. is, is, it is the connection between 82 points that's straight. Okay, but it's just three dimensional. You have this giant zero, a hollow sphere, and the absence of distance is one of the things that characterizes this space. And and we have to remember that you know spatiality is you know it's it's here in the physical where we know what that is. We're eliminating it in this other place. And it's early. I mean, I keep saying this over and over again, but it, but you seem to have a really strong sense of where we've been, what's possible, what's going on now, what's not quite done yet (laughs) and all that. And I'm going to go to another place that's maybe, maybe related, maybe not, but it's an interesting story that, nobody quite understands exactly how the Polynesians managed to settle and communicate and trade among many islands that are widely separated, you know, Hawaii, you know, way the hell out there, you know, from most of the, the, the Southern islands. And it's kind of accepted, I think at this point that they felt the ocean, I mean, through their feet. And it wasn't just that they saw their birds now. So we must be near land or we see smoke from there, but rather, um, but rather, we're actually feeling the swells. The swells are moving in this this way and that way. And I sort of wonder if we're doing that now. And if we're, and if, as we're looking at AI and saying, well, it's another ocean, but maybe it's got many different kinds of what, in a misnomerly way, we call intelligence. It's really not. It's some, it's memory plus a bunch of other stuff. So anyway, I'm just throwing all that crap at you because I think you'll be able to run with it. <laughs> <laughs> I know um, you well enough to know I, you have
1: something better to say about this than I will. I uh, I, I like I like the analogy of uh, Polynesian seafaring. Um, and and you know the the funny thing is actually uh, uh, there's a decentralized protocols uh, secure scuttlebutt um, that. Uh, and And I think I heard that Nostra is also Nostra and secure scuttlebutt have some relationship and they're protocols that were developed by people who live on a boat <laughs> <laughs> and are you know disconnected most of the time and so uh, a lot- a chunk of the the protocol it deals with being disconnected and then connecting and sharing messages and then disconnecting again um i it, it does I, I guess the way that you described it makes you think. You know, if you're uh, sitting on a Polynesian boat, um, you kind of have a sense of what else what's out there, but you're also a little bit by yourself, um, maybe with an, another few boats next to you. Um, decentralized. I, I hesitate to use the word social media, but decentralized chat systems and um, even Massive Wiki feel a little bit like that. There's, you know, there's locality and then there's distance. And it's, it feels different than uh, the big city that is Twitter or, or Facebook.
2: It just occurs to me there's a bit of a link here because Doc was saying about Polynesians and and all of that. It doesn't the, it, it, this is just a totally off topic question for you, um, Pete. Not off topic. Um, doesn't the name Wiki come from Hawaii anyway? I, I seem to remember hearing yeah. somewhere it was on buses. It said Wiki Wiki. Yeah,
1: yeah. Wiki Wiki means quick, uh, and Ward was inspired to he he remembered um, the Wiki Wiki bus uh, and named it the Wiki Wiki Web.
2: Excellent. There around. you go, Doc. So the, wow. it all links yeah, back to good. Polynesia.
1: Yeah, and and
0: I think it was, I spent some time in Hawaii, and I'm always into history, and I believe it was discovered first by people from Mar- the Marquesas. But they traded, <laughs> you know, if you're going a thousand miles, you know that's that takes some, you know. I I, I mean, I, I somebody recently discovered, or alleged, but and this is not a scientist, but was was looking at. The caves in Lescaux, uh uh in in France. Um Lescaux, I guess it, it's that is one of them. Right. Um and notice there were markings and he realized they were using math there. There was they were and they were keeping track of the seasons and, and the markings that were sort of extraneous were actually purposeful and they had to do with the seasons. Um you know, but then I think Geez, you know, humans came along and all the large animals disappeared, or most of them did. You know, and this is more than coincidental. Everywhere the humans go, including um, the, the the last of the islands discovered by the Polynesians, which were New Zealand. They came there, and the giant auk or whatever it was disappeared. And you know, there we haven't been good. And I, but we made this place. We made the internet, and it's this, it's his habitat. So let me ask you a question, maybe a little bit off the wall. Do you think we ever replace TCPIP with something that will be just as generative as <laughs> TCPIP? Because TCPIP, you're not going to get rid of it, I don't think. We can get rid of X25.
1: We can get rid of a whole lot of other crap that we inherited from phone companies. It's, it's not going away for a long time. Um uh our our same friend mutual friend david uh i, I always remember something he said um the ip was was made to be uh, neutral basically and have no value judgment you know it doesn't have any any information about the packets yeah. that it's sending uh with the indian principle and our friend david said not having, a, not having a value system built into your technology is a valued decision that you've made. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. that means oh, that definitely. you're going to get lots of terrible things running over that, that system. Yeah. Um, this,
0: is I, this is David Reed we're talking about, right?
1: I, I was thinking of David Weinberg, all the
0: David readers. Oh, David there. Weinberg. Yeah. You see, there's so many Davids. I'm a David too. That's why I'm called Doc. It's just like too so many of us.
1: Yeah. Um, TCPIP is going to round, be around for a long time. Yeah. That, that's a good. Yeah. So, um,
0: there are, and I see we are I don't know how close we are to the end here. I think we started at 32 after, but, um, uh, boy, there's so many ways, ways we can go. What, I mean, we, we've covered what, let me, let me go into this one, which is clouds for a second. They're, I'm not that geeky, but I'm geeky enough to have run my own server, my own mail server, my own um, uh, my own web server, um, to have operated as an, an out of my house because in in the in the mid to late nineties you could get a dedicated line. It was only thirty three kilobits or something, but you could get. I had sixteen IP addresses in my house. I had a bunch of servers. Um, I pushed. We had. We ran cron jobs that pushed what I wrote up to Linux Journal at night. um, Stuff like that. And one by one, these things I handed over to Clouds. And then um, in most cases, this is good in some ways. I mean, email became 99% or more spam, and we really needed a giant to deal with that for us. Um, But um, I, I want that independence back. You know, I I I feel like we've by handing some of our agency over to other parties. You know, as as Richard Stallman said, you know, the, the cloud is somebody else's computer, and and it is. And I lost most of my email uh, because all we're on an IMAP server at Rackspace and it got killed. And I may get it back yet. I haven't called them yet, but I I will. But maybe their phones are not ringing off the hook now. But there there are there are vulnerabilities here, and one of them is I think that we're exposed to no not exposed we become inured to the benefits we forget the benefits of independence and then and then small group collaboration like you're so good at um what are your thoughts about that as, as we're coming down to the um
1: i here? first of all i, I i uh it's it's pretty funny that you say that that you're not that technical <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot of uh, pretty hardcore technical stuff that you've that you've mounted there but i um, wasn't that
0: good at it <laughs> I was, well, you know that was
1: dangerous you know <laughs> I'm on the phone with people while I'm doing it so anyway. <laughs> um the uh the good news is the d-, d-, d web the distributed web is is perking along you know um uh it's it's not that um not that uncommon now or it's it's getting to the point where it, it's usable n- not just as a science experiment, I guess. Uh IPFS or holo Holochain or um uh Noster is is actually really interesting. Um it it takes uh it takes a fair amount of turns out crypto, um, to, to make that work, uh, to make Mm -hmm. sure that you put stuff out onto distributed servers, um, and can get it back and, and know that it's still the same. And maybe other people, if you didn't want other people look seeing it, they couldn't see it and things like that. Um, being able to identify yourself, you know, as, as yourself and things like that. There's, there's a lot of There's a lot of crypto involved, and I don't mean that, I I don't mean, I don't mean cryptocurrency and I don't mean um, bad kind of, you know, uh, illegal crypto, but there's a lot of, a lot of stuff where you have to secure things to make it so that you can let your stuff float over an ocean of, of um, uh, essentially commodity servers and commodity networking. But it's it's coming. It's uh it's coming along pretty nicely. It's it's uh fun to get back into um even Mastodon, um uh which um which is I, I guess Mastodon and ActivityPub have been kinda hard to use for a while. It's getting easier, it's getting more popular, more people are using it and saying, Hey, this, this part is hard to use and I wish it were different and, and so that's changing. Um, we're solving a lot of the problems. There's still a lot of work ahead, but it's it's coming along. There's always work ahead. So we're pretty
0: much at the end here. So I have to ask you as we, we did before, but maybe it's changed now, uh, what your favorite <laughs> uh, text editor and scripting language are.
1: Uh, my favorite text editor is still Emacs. Um, and, and by scripting language, you mean maybe programming language that's a scripting language? Or um I think that this yeah, is the yeah. same answer. I'm I'm using Python a lot nowadays. Yeah, that's the basic um, one. Yeah. Uh, but but I still really love JavaScript. Um the, the JavaScript, the adult JavaScript, grown up JavaScript is super nice. Um <laughs> it was not very nice when it was a kid, but um it's it's a, a real pleasing thing. I just don't use it as much. Yeah. We at the point we can't live without it.
0: Well this this has been great and I, guess, I think we'd have to have you back every six months, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> something like that. That uh, sounds great. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm, <laughs> I'm also glad we, we, you know, through a schedule mix-up and all that, you actually stepped in here. So, the, yeah. you know, this is not our original. You were not our original scheduled guest, but you are certainly a highly appreciated one right now. So, thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks, Doc, and thanks, Dan. <laughs> so, Dan, that was good.
2: We went yeah, deep. We, that
0: was yeah, good really stuff. interesting. Um,
2: yeah, we could have talked on for a long time about lots of different things, I'm sure. Um, yeah, great and really interesting stuff. Nice to, to talk to Peter and and, um, and get his thoughts on lots of things. He's got lots of fascinating insights into things.
0: I, I, I kind of felt like we needed to take this to a pub and start pounding some brews, you know, because... Um, that, I'm good with that. <laughs> that, 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 that would have made a lot more sense um, I mean just because anyway yeah, wait, wait, we could go into a lot of stuff here did you think about this other thing um, mm-hmm. it's uh, there really is a we're at a moment right now where um, I feel like uh, like the whole AI thing which needs many many more words for what all these things are really needs um, has just awakened in me a whole lot of of uh, delight, you know, I mean, I'm delighted by some of this stuff. And, um, and I sort of feel like we have so many of the wrong conversations, you know, Microsoft versus Google, Uh, you know, who gives a damn really? I mean, it, I mean, what's the stuff that matters? You know, this is, you know, there's some really great threads online right now on how it's saving time for um, teachers, saving time for, for programmers, you know, I mean, this one guy wrote a, Long thread on Twitter, though, is about like I was a 10x programmer now, and I'm a 100x programmer, right? And here's how. Mm-hmm. And he shares all this stuff. His name is Salvatore or something. Um, oh, what happened wow. to the show? He's doing open source stuff. So
2: through um, using AI to help him program, sorry. That's yeah. I mean. Yeah. Wow. Brilliant okay. stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, D- Dave Weiner pointed at him, and that's how I found him um, saying, read this. So c- quick, then, Dan, before we mm-hmm. go off, um, any plugs for you?
2: um yeah people can hear me on on the radio around the world in fact due to the wonders of the internet um although it is at one fixed time unfortunately uh, you could record it um uh, yeah if you go to my website danlynch.org, um i do need to update it maybe i can get an ai to do that for me or something. <laughs> um that would be good uh yeah so I, I will update it but yeah if you go to danlynch.org, which is my website uh, you can find all my links on there um and i need to update it actually because uh Ant's showing the preview we've got um it's got a, still got a Twitter widget. That's how old it is. It's got a Twitter widget in the sidebar, and I do use Mastodon most. I do still have Twitter, but I use Mastodon mostly now. So I need to update that to a Mastodon widget, or me. But yeah, that's that's the place to find me. Okay, great.
0: So um, I would let people know that next week we have uh, Arun Gupta. Um, he's the head of Open Ecosystems at Intel, and he's on the OpenSSF board. So they will be our guest next week, and uh, and Simon Phipps, our other uk uh <laughs> guy uh the co-host will be will be on that show so we will see you then take it easy
2: hey we should talk linux it's the operating system that runs the internet bunch of game consoles cell phones and maybe even the machine on your desk and you already knew all that what you may not know is that TwitNow now is a show dedicated to it the untitled linux show whether you're a Linux pro, a burgeoning sysadmin, or just curious what the big deal is, you should join us on the Club Twit Discord every Saturday afternoon for news, analysis, and tips to sharpen your Linux skills. And then make sure you subscribe to the Club Twit exclusive Untitled Linux show. Wait, you're not a Club Twit member yet? Well, go to twit.tv slash and sign up. Hope to see you there.